All right, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Um, the uh, Torah tells us three times once in Parashas Mishpat, and last week's Parasha, again in Parashas Kisis, and then a third time in Parashas Re'eloi, Savasha, Gadiba, Halevi, Moi, that one is not allowed to cook uh, meat together with uh, milk. And the Gemara comments in Mesechtas Chulan, why is this Isser repeated three times in the Torah? Echel Isser Achila, Echel Isser Hanav, Echel Isser Bishel. One is not allowed to eat, Basar Bechalav. Uh, milk and meat together, you're not allowed to benefit from milk and meat uh, that has been cooked together, and you're not allowed to cook milk and meat together. Echad Isel, Achila, Hanah, and Bishel, there are three parts of this Easter. If there are three parts of the Easter, why does the Torah describe it consistently as lo savasho gediba, chalevi moi? You shouldn't cook uh, the animal in, uh, in its mother's milk if it uh, has actually three parts of the Easter. Why do we pick this one to describe in the, in the Chumash? So Rabbeinu Bakir here quotes in the name of his Rebbe. It really appears first, I think, in the Chuvas HaRajba, but it's really echoing uh, a Gemara, just in terms of its application to the Pasuk and explaining why the Pasuk is formulated in this fashion. That was unique to the Rajba. But of course, he's echoing something that appears in the Gemara, and that is that Basar B'Chalav is only prohibited if the two are cooked together. If you eat Basar and Chalav together, I eat a uh, salami and cheese sandwich, that's not Basar B'Chalav Dairaisa. Basar B'Chalav Midairaisa is only if the two are cooked together, and therefore the flavor has been uh, intermingled. So that's why the Torah phrases it as It's only derech bishol uh, It's only if they, uh, the two were cooked uh, together. So that's why sometimes people make a mistake. It's a, it's a, it's a little mistake, but it's insignificant. But people say basar vichalov, milk and meat. It really isn't milk and meat. It's basar bichalov, milk and meat together. Meaning the the mixture, the milk uh, in the meat, or the meat in the milk. That that's the problem. Really isn't uh, so much of the two together. It's really focused on the bishol. Now, obviously, over here the pasuk uh, identifies the mother. Milk. The Rishayim explained it's not specifically that it has to be cooked in its mother's milk. That's not to be taken literally. It's just Dibar Hakasa The Torah is discussing what happens to have been, you know, was probably available, which was its mother's milk, but of course would apply to milk of any other animal as well. But the Pasuk does identify which is a goat. That uh, that it's uh, that uh, and the Mishnah Masech the school and understands that it's limited to kosher animals. So we're discussing an Easter here not to cook kosher animals. Together with milk, if it would be a non-kosher animal, it's prohibited anyway. But a kosher animal that's cooked together with milk has three parts to the Easter. One, you're not allowed to eat the two together once they've been cooked. You're not allowed to benefit from it if it's been cooked together. And you're not actually allowed to cook them together um, in the first place. So steak tartare is okay? Steak tartare. It's not cooked. Raw meat. You want to have it? Put a little milk on it. You don't cook it. It's awesome. right? So we we keep dinim drabanan too. So <laughs> yeah. So that. But yes, it wouldn't be an isa midiraisa. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so the um, <clears throat> but we have these three parts of the isa. Why though does the Gemara the right the pasuk emphasizes the isa bishol? The Gemara seems to put first what the isra achila. The Gemara says echad isra achila over here. Rabbeinu Bachir quotes it on the first line. Echad isra achila. Echad isra hanav. Echad isra bishol. If all three are equal parts to this isa, why does the Gemara put the isra achila first? So perhaps the answer is obvious, and that is because this is the most, uh, you know, the most severe form of Bisser, of, of, uh, of Basa And in fact, the Targum Unkelis Taiches, every single time the Pasuk says, the Targum Unkelis Taiches, you shouldn't eat the two together. So yes, it's Derech Bishol Asur Torah, but it sounds like the focus over here is not the Isra Bishol, the focus really is the Isra Achila. So much so 
that the Rambam over here in the second source of uh, Hilchus Tomas Meis, the Rambam is discussing the three ways that a uh, cadaver, a corpse, is matame. So a corpse is matame, as we know, both bimaga, if the kain will touch the corpse, or if he's in the same room together with the corpse, that's known as Tomas Oyo, or Tomas Masa, even if he's not in the same room or he's not actually touching it, if he's carrying it, let's say, on a stretcher, so then it would also, he would, uh, he would, be, uh, he would become a tame from the corpse. So the corpse is matame, a mace is matame in three ways, maga, masa, and oyo. The problem is the Torah only identifies two explicitly in the Chumash. You have maga and you have oyo. You're not supposed to be in the oyo maze. It never mentions masa with regards to a corpse, with regards to a maze. So how do we know that Tomas Masa, you're not allowed to carry, you know, if you carry it on, uh, on a stretcher, that you're, even though you're not indoors and you're not actually touching it, how do you know that your Makabal Tomas derives, says the Rambam, from the fact that Tomas Oil applies to mace? Oil is unique to mace. That doesn't apply to other uh, to other items. That's uh, applies you know rarely, but uh, primarily applies only to mace. So it says the Rambam, Tumas oil applies to mace, which doesn't apply to other things which are matame. And yet we have Tumas masa applies to nevela. If you find the carcass, you know a, a dead animal on the side of the road, and you touch it, you will be matame. Uh, not only if you touch it, but even if you carry it in a bag, you'll also become tame. So if uh, nevela, which is not matame, but ohel. You know, if you're in the same room together with a carcass of an animal, you don't become tame. So if it's not metame bayo, but it is metame bamasa, a mace, which is metame bayo, certainly should be metame bamasa. So once the Torah said oyo, it's ki'ilu, it's as if the Torah already said masa, because it's included within it, b'chlam asayimana. So the Rambam gives an example entirely out of context, but of course relevant to our discussion. He says over here in the second, uh, in the second source, and similarly we find such a concept by basa b'chalav, ishrasek me'isar, achilas basa b'chalav, the Torah doesn't even mention eating basa b'chalav, the Torah says, if you're not allowed to cook it, certainly if you're not allowed to cook it, you're not allowed to eat it. Why? Maybe the two are unrelated. So you see from the fact that the Rambam understood that this relationship exists, that it must be that the Isar of Bisho is related to the Isar Achilo, meaning perhaps it's just the only reason you're not allowed to cook Batsu together is because you are not allowed to eat the two together. And that would be emphasized by the Tagum Unkelis, who every single time the Torah says, and you shouldn't eat the two together. The Kasef Mishnah takes this a, you know, a little bit further, which of course is somewhat controversial. The Kasef Mishnah says over here in the brackets, a voice base, that the Torah only answered Bisho in order so you shouldn't come with Ayachilo. Not only the two related, one is a precaution uh, for the other. And even though it itself independently is an Easter in the Torah, it's not something that the Chazal created, legislated on their own as a precautionary measure, even though it's found already in the Torah, we do find, or perhaps the Kesemishan is teaching us, we can find once in a, you know, rarely, that the Torah itself installed its own precautions. Of course, we're encouraged to install precautions, as the Mishnah says, Mesech L'Savah, Zasei Siog L'Torah. But the Torah itself, we see sometimes, models this behavior and takes precautions for us. The Avastar Rav Nassan itself makes this point on the Mishnah, Mesech L'Savah, is the first Mishnah, Zasei Siog L'Torah. So the Avastar Rav Nassan says that we find the, uh, that the Torah itself takes precautions. Where? Because the Apostle says in Parashas Achrimos, in the discussion of the forbidden relationships, that uh, after listing, enumerating all those people one is not allowed to marry, the Torah says, uh, You shouldn't even come close to uh, violating these Yisurim, which Chazal understood, it comes to include chibuk v'nishuk, any kind of intimate uh, gesture, is also prohibited, not only actually in- engaging in relations itself. So the Rambam's opinion, actually, that that's an Isa Midoy, right? And that sounds like what the implication of the Avistar of Nassim. The Avistar of Nassim says, why should we make a Siyag Torah? Because the Torah models this behavior for us, but it's also, the Torah also makes a Siyag, makes take, takes precautionary measures. Itself, where do you see an example of that? As Loisikravu, uh, Legalos Erva, the Torah told us not only not to marry these individuals or, you know, actually engage in relations, but even to engage in any kind of intimate behavior. 
Or we find the Ran in Masech Lipsachim. This is also shocking. But the Ran says, why is it that Chazal told us that we have to check our homes for chametz on Pesach? We don't have to check our homes for lobster. There's no Bedikas lobster, Bedikas shrimp. Why do we have Bedikas chametz? So the Ran says the answer is obvious because we have chametz in our house all year. A Jewish person typically doesn't have shellfish in his house, but he has. You know, we have chametz in our houses, so we have to make sure when Pesach comes that we get rid of it from the house. So the Ran, so that's why Chazal made a you know a mitzvah midrabanan of bedikas chametz. So the Ran goes on to say maybe that's why the Torah in the first place prohibited us not only in eating chametz on Pesach but from owning it or seeing it in our possession. A bal yiro, a bal yimotze, you're not allowed to own comments on Pesach. The reason is, maybe you will come to eat it. Yeah, but bal yiro, bal yimotze, zinisa midday raisa. Nonetheless, the Ron understood that perhaps this was a precaution that itself was taken by the Torah. He says over here on the last line of Ois Dawid, ve'efshar oichim ebnei tam zehech mira ha-Torah lavar lavar bal yiro, bal yimotze, because it's, uh, it's always around, so I'm so accustomed to having it there, so I might come to eat it. Therefore, the Torah said you have to get rid of it uh, from your house. And one could understood Bishop Basabachalov in the same uh, light. Right? We have three parts of this Easter. You're not allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to benefit from it. You're not allowed to cook it. Perhaps the only reason one is not allowed uh, to cook it is a precaution lest you come to eat it. Why? We don't find that by lobster. We don't find there's no Easter in the Torah to cook shrimp or to cook other shellfish. Why not? The answer is because we're not accustomed to being in contact with shellfish typically, right? So therefore, the Torah didn't need to install a precaution not to cook it because we don't have any interaction with it at all. However, basar and chalav are two, both ingredients are kosher. We have them both in our kitchen all the time. So then the Torah had to go, you know, perhaps it takes an extra precaution not only not to eat it, but as a precautionary measure uh, not to, two, uh, to, to cook the two together. But even though that is itself an independent Easter, maybe it's only there as a precautionary measure to coming to eat it. This might be uh, supported... Um, it is interesting, by the way. We find the Torah tells us to take precautions in other areas, right? The Ran says, Bayro, Bayimotse is a precaution that's taken by the Torah. So the officer of Nassim was identifying. You see, the Torah itself takes precautions. Why did the officer of Nassim choose Osikavulagalas Erva? Why didn't it choose Bayro, uh, Bayimotse? Why didn't it choose Bishra Basabachalav? If all of these are precautions that the Torah itself takes, why did the officer of Nassim choose uh, Arias? So if Hutner suggests, it's quoted in his uh, Sefer Zikaran, that perhaps it's because the Torah is teaching us in the area of Arias we have to take super precautions. Yes, we need precautions in all areas of halacha, but particularly when it comes to Arias, that's what the Officer of Nassim is emphasizing. We're in the last week of Shaivim. We have to get something in about Shaivim. So in, the, in this area, Bifrat, we have to go even, even uh, you know, that, that's where it requires a particular emphasis. But anyway, getting back, we see the Torah does do this, and perhaps Bishop Basabachalov is an example of that. And this is echoed, perhaps, or supported by the Gemara in Chulin, which tells us what is the shear for Bishul Basabachalav. As we know, when it comes to most things you're not allowed to eat, with well, a shear typically is a kezayis, an olive's worth. So that's a, you violate, uh, you know, uh, eating, uh, you know, if you eat a kezayis. If you eat less than a kezayis, you haven't violated eating treif meat. So if you, you know, you wanted, if you were looking to get Malchus for eating Basel B'chalav, what you would do is eat a Kezayis. Then you would be Chayv uh, and Malchus for eating Basel B'chalav. What should be the sheer Bishol for cooking Basel B'chalav? So the Gemara says it's also a Kezayis. Why should it be a Kezayis? No one's, you know, it, it, it's an Isa to cook. What does it have to do with a Kezayis? No one's eating anything. So again, the Chsam Seifer says in the Akimar Mishach Tzchulim, which we'll see in a second, that uh, the sheer is a Kezayis because the whole Isa Bishol is focused as a precaution for the Isser uh, Achila. And therefore, one really is dependent uh, on the other. And that's what the Kesef Mishnah seems to get the ball rolling in that uh, direction. What is the sheer by Yerobayimotze? Well, we check for crumbs also. Yeah, yeah. But is that a chumrah? Yeah, because you might come to eat the crumbs. 
But they are chatsi chatsi shir also min atayra also. Yeah. We're gonna get to we'll get to we'll get to maybe not maybe not. So what do you say about the following situation was discussed by the Chabina Rav over here in the Chuvas Dovid Meisharim? A person is a scientist and he needs to uh, part of his scientific experiments or the research that he's doing wants to cook a dairy product together with a milk product. Maybe he's a food scientist or something, and he wants you know seeing how it interacts. Or maybe he's checking to see the dairy content of something, and in order to do that, you need to cook the you know the meat together with uh, together with the dairy. What meaning he's basically cooking basubachov with no intention to eat it. Would that be permitted or not? So the David Meisharim says, according to the Kesef Mishnah, he thinks it would be permitted, and he was willing to be lenient. It was a food scientist who was testing for milk content within the meat, and uh, the whole the whole reason they were doing this was to avoid Basu Bechalov. So he says, based on the Kesef Mishnah, that the whole Easter in the first place is that it might come uh, to, uh, might, might lead you to eat Basu Bechalov if your whole intention is not to eat it, your intention is just scientific experiments, perhaps it could be permitted. Uh, Rav uh, Tzvi Pesach Frank, who was a contemporary, a little bit younger contemporary of the Chabina Rav, so on the Har Tzvi, quotes this, the truth of the David Meisharm, and he disagrees. And he says, uh, you know, the Kesef Mishnah's idea is interesting, that the Torah only asked Bishop Basbachov, lest you come to eat it, the Targum Unkelis touches every time, Moseichlu, Moseichlu, not Loisavashel, seems to be focused on the Israel The Shir is a Kezayas, which seems to be focused on the Israel not on uh, cooking, uh, you know, as being an, an independent and inherently prohibited activity. Uh, but nonetheless, he says, we can't kind of, you know, come up, it's an interesting idea, but we, we can't uh, necessarily derive leniencies based upon this. And Rav Asher Weiss makes a similar point in his Shuvah Smin Chasashiv here, or Zion, the Kesef Mishnah never wanted to say, you know, based on this idea of his, that we could be lenient perhaps in another area and permit cooking if one doesn't have intention to eat it. So, so they, they're not willing to, to go with this. They're uh, be, you know, afraid that perhaps the Isser Bishol is not just focused on the Isser Achila, but perhaps is an independent Isser in the Torah. Just like you're not allowed to eat Basu Bechalav, you're not allowed to cook the two together. It itself is inherently prohibited, nothing to do with the fact that it might lead you uh, and even if it is a precaution, uh, we have no right to just because we speculated this reason and relationship to necessarily uh, derive leniencies. And it seems to be that the Ramah supports their position. Look over here, the Ramah says, Oishches. Um, a person is not allowed to stir the pot or stoke the coals underneath the pot of a non-Jew who's cooking. Why? Because sometimes they cook together. So if I was, to, I don't know necessarily what he's cooking, and let's say they used to have Jewish help in the non-Jewish homes, and the, the Jewish help is asked to, you know, uh, turn the pot on, and I don't necessarily know what's being cooked, or, you know, can you, can you, you know, to turn it up or turn it down, it's going to turn out that the Jew is cooking basa b'chalav, even though they have no intention of eating it, it could be, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nevela meat, it's a kosher animal, of course, basa b'chalav only applies to kosher animals. But it could, it could be that it's, you know, certainly was not shechted properly, so it's not kosher necessarily, um, um, but it's still prohibited uh, to cook basa uh, b'chalav. So it's going to turn out, even though they're not going to eat it, it's not kosher, kosher for them, nonetheless, the of cooking basa b'chalav applies. You see, uh, perhaps in this Ramah, even though you don't plan on eating it yourself, but there would be an isa bisha basa b'chalav, perhaps it's an independent, uh, an independent prohibition. This Haredim makes this point explicitly. He says, shaloy levasho, balav, here, ois test, we're prohibited, your intention is only to serve it uh, to non-Jews. Or you have some other intention, perhaps a scientific experiment, I don't, even though I don't think that's what he had in mind. That it's prohibited independently to cook uh, basa b'chalav. So let's say a person is hired as a chef, 
in the home of a non-Jew, it sounds like that that would be uh, prohibited to cook Basu B'chalav uh, on their behalf. What if uh, it's, uh, it's not Basu B'chalav? Stam shellfish. So that, it's, it's, it's another discussion we had a few years ago, which is, can I engage in business activities with non-kosher food? So over here, though, I'm not the proprietor, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the, the one who's selling, the purveyor of the non-kosher food. I'm, I'm performing an act of cooking with non-kosher food. So we could debate whether or not that's really called doing business with non-kosher food, or maybe that's not, because I'm not the one who's buying and selling it. I don't even own it. I'm just cooking it on behalf of the, uh, behalf of the, uh, of, uh, of my employer, so we could debate whether or not that's called doing business with non-kosher food. But certainly, if it's possible, chalav independently it would be a problem. You meet many chefs now who consider themselves from who've gone to. We'll get to cooking school. One course. second, one second. Yeah, so yeah. Even if you make money, uh, that's hanar, right? Ah, so be making money off the basu b'chalav. Yeah, that's if I sell the basu b'chalav. Well, not if I cook the basu b'chalav. Right, so that's we could. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Investing in McDonald's. You're buying the McDonald's stock. And I'm benefiting from the... because your stock goes up and you make money. Right. Yeah, we discussed that, whether that's called doing business with, uh, with uh, Basu B'chalav. It might be too far removed to call, to call benefiting from it's it. Also, but, yeah. Problem also, you take yeah, have other problems. You have other problems. Uh, but what about... The, it's an uh, interesting shayla, though, also. was discussed by the Pisgah Tshuva, where perhaps you see that, uh, that we presume that the Isar Bishal is an independent prohibition. Pisgah Tshuva quotes in Mechsam Seif, and the Mishnah Brewer actually quotes it in Hilchah Shabbos in terms of what oils are kosher for Abelkis so they discuss using uh, animal fat. I think early candles were made out of, I don't know what wax is made out of now, but were made out of animal fat. So the problem is sometimes they would also use butter, which is also, you know, milk fat, to burn in the same candles. So the Mr. Brewer is chayshesh, the Chsam Seifer was, uh, was chayshesh, that perhaps if you're going to put uh, the animal fat in the same cup, where initially you had butter, it'll turn out that you're cooking basa b'chalav together as you're lighting your Shabbos candles. So Mishra Brewer says, meaning the animal fat, sometimes it'll turn out in the cup of oil over here that you had was uh, animal oil, and you'll have a butter, you know, the fat from the oil, from the butter, and the two will get intermingled. Now over here, no one's eating anything, right? No one plans on eating this uh, butter or the animal fat, you're burning it as part of a candle. Nonetheless, they presume that the Isra Basu B'chalav applied. It's not it is Derek Bishol. Why? You're just you're burning it. Burning it doesn't mean Derek Bishol. Oh, that's not cooking. It's a great horror. It's a fantastic, uh, fantastic horror. So some cipher says, even though he thinks in Hukkah Shabbos, this would be called kindling. This would be called Havara. Not Bishol, because it is being destroyed in the process. He thinks Basu B'chalav is different than Hukkah Shabbos. That Basu B'chalav, even burning... He concludes. But you're right. He makes that point. Fantastic. Uh, uh, that in Hilchos Bishol, in Hilchos Shabbos, it would probably be Bishol. It would probably be Havara, kindling, because the fuel is getting consumed, as opposed to Bishol, where the food item, right, the, the, you know, that which you're, you're cooking remains. What is Mitzvah Slavahinasen? Mitzvah Slavahinasen means that the fact that I fulfill the Mitzvah is not considered a benefit. That has nothing to do with this. That's the fact that I fulfill the Mitzvah is not considered a benefit. No one's discussing benefit here. And no one's discussing the mitzvah itself. If I, if I benefit from Shabbos candles because of the heat or the light, that's certainly benefit. The question is, is fulfilling the mitzvah itself a benefit? That's all the only discussion of mitzvah. Uh, so the, this comes up, though, in a different context, which doesn't apply in America, but it was in Eretz Yisrael. I don't even know if it's, if it's legal in Eretz Yisrael anymore, but they used to burn the garbage. So the, 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 
sometimes in the garbage, though, you're going to have basar and chalav together in the garbage. So if they call it the name of Yashiv, you can't burn the garbage. Forget about <laughs> destroying the world and all that. But you can't burn the garbage uh, because you're going to end up turning out that you're cooking basar and chalav together. So others disagreed and they said, no, it's batel. Come on, how much basar and chalav do you have over here in these mounds and mounds of garbage? And perhaps that's even different than the candle. The candle is a constructive burning. So constructive burning, maybe we could view that as a kind of bishol. It wouldn't be bishol in Hilchah Shabbos, where it's entirely being consumed. It would be havar, it would be kindling. But maybe in Hilchah's bishol, the definition is slightly different, and we could call that bishol. But to call burning garbage, where the entire thing gets destroyed in the process, to call that bishol, that's, uh, that's, that's hard. Huh? Coming, so it's not Basar or Chalav, yeah? You're not supposed to put schnitzel in, uh, in the via comments. It's supposed to be just comments. Uh, we get upset when people put lulavim in there. It's, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen anyone putting steaks in there. Yeah. Yeah. You never know with Ariel. We never know. You never know, but uh, not yet. So the big issue, though, is this comes up is with regards to cooking classes, culinary classes, where in order to learn how to cook, you have to cook different items together. So people say, well, I don't have any intention of, uh, of, of eating this. So can we permit uh, one to cook in a culinary class if they don't have intention to eat it? So someone printed an article in Truman Journal, well, maybe the Kesef Mishnah, and they don't plan on eating it, we could be lenient. Uh, the standard of shock is to assume that this is, this is prohibited. Just like you can't be a chef in, a, in, the, in the kitchen of a non-Jew who cooks Basel B'chalov, the Ramah already said you shouldn't do that. So, so to have, even though you don't have intention to eat it, the, the Sefer Charedim said you shouldn't uh, cook uh, Basel B'chalov on behalf of non-Jews, even though you don't have intention to eat it. So, so to over here, you probably shouldn't do it, even though you don't have intention uh, to eat it. However, we do have indications. Not only, it's not only the Kesef Mishnah, who said that the whole Isa of Basel B'chalov is not an independent Isa. It's only coming as a precaution to eating it. Uh, there are other sources which do support the, the Kesef Mishnah, and therefore might lead one to believe that if you don't have intention to eat it, 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 it might in fact be uh, permitted. What are those uh, indications? So one of them is the following. The Gemara says over here, Masech Tashulin, um, which we alluded to earlier, what is the shear of uh, eating a basa b'chalav? The shear of cooking basa b'chalav is a kezayis. So the Gemara says the following. I take a half a kezayis of each. So I don't have a kezayis of basa or kezayis of chalav. I'm cooking together. That would be the easier case. Uh, I have a half a kezayis of each. So When you eat the two after they've been cooked together, you'll get malchus, because in the end of the day, you have a kezayis. Half of it is chalav, half of it is basar, but you're eating basar b'chalav of a kezayis. But you don't get malchus for the bishol, because it's less than the shear of each. So the Gemara says, Manavshach, imit starfin abishol nami loki. If the two join up together, get malchus for the bishol. Elohim it starfin achil nami loki. And if the two don't join up together, why do I get malchus for eating the two after it has already been cooked? So the Gemara says, Li'olam lo imit starfi. The two are not, do not join together. But we're talking about a situation, Bibami yore gedoyla. It came from a pot that already the two were cooked together. So Rashi explains what we're discussing here is, I have a pot, a huge pot of basa b'chalav, with many kezayisim of basa, many kezayisim of chalav, or revias of chalav. And then I take out a half a kezayis of basa and a half a kezayis of chalav, but the two were already cooked together. Then I eat the two together, then of course you get malchus. What do you not get malchus for? That's what we're talking about. If I take a half a kezayis of basa, a half a kezayis of chalav, and I put them in a pot to cook them, Rashi says you don't get malchus neither for the bishol nor for the achila. The only time you get malchus is if the pot who had many kezayisim already cooked together, then I take the two out, but I take out you know one piece of the meat part, one piece of the liquid part, 
but there's the kezayis or you know together. So then you would get malchus. Yeah. Uh, similar to like they're not necessarily seen by like Hill Shabbos and Hill Special. So like in Bishalach or Bishal Shabbos that apply by Basar Bachal. We'll get that. Yeah, that's that's the oh, so that's what the Rabbeinu Gershon leads us to. So Rabbeinu Gershon has a different shot in the Gemara because Rashi's shot is inconsistent. When it was talking about achila, we're talking about taking parts that have already been cooked. Half, you know, the you know half a kazayis of chalav, half a kazayis of basar. If I eat the two together, I'll get malchus. When we're talking about Bishal, Rashi understood the Gemara is with stadim katani. One is talking about one topic, the other is talking about another one. Then I cook the two together. They're talking about raw items. I have a half kazayis of raw meat, a half a kazayis of milk that hasn't been cooked. I cooked the two together. Then there's no malchus. So when the Gemara was discussing the bishul, wasn't discussing previously cooked items. Was discussing raw items. When the Gemara was discussing eating, where you do get malchus, was discussing items already been cooked. That's inconsistent. So Rabbeinu Gershon understood the Gemara consistently. We're talking about stuff that was cooked in a huge pot already. So if I take half a kazayis out of chalav, half a kazayis of basa, eat the two together, already cooked together, you get malchus. The bishul. Why don't I get malchus with the bishul if the pot was already cooked together? Says Rabbeinu Gershon because when it comes to bishul basa b'chalav, once it's been cooked. Once ain't bisho achar bisho. It's cooked once. You can't be chayav for bisho basa b'chalav again. Once it's already been cooked, you can't be chayav for bisho again. A concept we're familiar with from Hilcha Shabbos. Once it's fully cooked, you can reheat it Shabbos morning in certain fashions. If uh, you know, since it's already been cooked, you don't violate bisho again. Rabbeinu Gershom applies that to bisho basa b'chalav. It has nothing to do with chatzik eyes. says that. No, so that he says if it was already the Gemara says it's coming from a pot. Which was already cooked. So if you take half a kazais of basa, half a kazais of uh, chalav, and I eat them from a pot already cooked, the two are in staff because they were already cooked together. Ah, why don't I get uh, malchus for cooking the pot again? Because the pot was already cooked. And bisho, achar bisho. Uh, according to me, even if you take kazais of each, would be no, no, no easy. Correct, correct, correct. So Rabbi Kiva Eger derives from here, it's quoted in the Shulchanach, in the side of the Shulchanach, Ein Bishalach Abisal, when it comes to Basu B'chalav. And many others disagree with this, Rabbi Kiva Eger. They don't pass it like this for Ben Gershom. Rashi didn't seem to accept it. And in fact, from the Ramah, it doesn't sound that way. The Ramah says you can't stoke the pot underneath the pot, of the, you know, you can't stoke the fire underneath the pot of the non-Jew. Why? Isn't the non-Jew's pot already, you know, you know, probably cooked already? And maybe you're just reheating it. And nonetheless, he still says, don't stoke the, pot, you know, the fire underneath the pot of the non-Jew. So it seems to imply, even if it's already been cooked or already heated, you're not allowed to, to further the process. So this is a highly debated issue. Do we say, Ain bishu when it comes to Basu B'chalav and Ab? Rabbeinu Gershon seemed to apply that principle to Basu B'chalav, just like Shabbos and Rashi uh, did not. Why should we say, Ain bishu when it comes to Basu B'chalav? So it could be that if the whole purpose of, uh, like Kesef Misha explained to us, the reason why you're not allowed to cook Basu B'chalav as opposed to other Machalas Asuras is because um, the, this is a precautionary measure unless you come to eat it. And it's focused on the prohibition of eating it. So, but once it's already Basu B'chalav, I created the item already, so then I don't, I don't, you know, I don't make the situation uh, any worse uh, by, uh, by, uh, by cooking it again. The whole issue is not to mix basar and chalav together because basar and chalav I have in my kitchen all the time. I'm accustomed to eating them. If the two are mixed together, now it's prohibited. So I shouldn't cook the two together because now the two will be, uh, have a prohibited meat or prohibited milk in my kitchen. But once the two have already been mixed together, the isser bishul is not to mix the two together in the first place. Once the isser is, you know, the two have been mixed together, I don't make it any worse by cooking them again. 
So therefore, ain't bishlach abishu when it comes to basubachalav. If the focus is on eating them, if the focus is though, one second, if the focus is an independent Easter not to cook basubachalav together, like the Torah answered shatnes, like the Torah answered planting uh, wheat and uh, grapes in the same uh, field. This is another one of the forbidden mixtures of the Torah not to mix basubachalav, and not only not allowed to eat them, you're not allowed to cook the two together. And it's exerus hakosim in hashamayim that you're not allowed to cook basubachalav together. So, so what? It's been cooked once already. If I cook it again, you violated. Uh, the Easter again. Okay, I wore shotness once and I wear it again. You violate shotness again and I cook Basubachalov once, cook it again. You violate Basubachalov again. So it seems that perhaps this issue might hinge upon what the folks of Basub- cooking Basubachalov is all about. The yeah. reason the reason is because that doesn't meet the criteria of Bishop. Once something is cooked, you can't cook it again. That's not my shot. Ah, so one could argue, very good, one could argue the following and say, no, maybe, come on, you're being too, uh, you know, we're being, oh, 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 oh over-lumbicizing this issue. Maybe it has to do with the fact that if it's already uh, cooked, it's simply not called cooking and called tarakula once it's already been cooked. You can't cook something that's already previously been cooked. So that's what, meaning, and maybe everyone agrees, we're discussing an independent uh, uh, Easter. There's another reason to permit cooking has been cooked already. Maybe that's just not called uh, cooking when it's already been cooked. So that's what the Kayyadim suggests. Perhaps this has nothing to, it's not an indication at all that uh, that uh, that cooking basmachal is only a precaution to eating it, and therefore once it's already been cooked, you don't make it any worse by cooking it again. Maybe it's because once it's already been cooked, you can't violate uh, um, uh, cooking again. However, one uh, could argue, even in Hilchah Shabbos, that's not the case. Meaning in Hilchah Shabbos, why is it that if uh, something's already been cooked, you can't violate cooking again? Is that because once something's been cooked, it can't be cooked again? So that is one opinion of Rishonim. That's why the opinion of the Rajbah is once it's cooked, Kamaikal Ben it's cooked minimally in Hokal Shabbos. Um, this already permitted to cook it even further. Cooked is cooked, is cooked. Once it's cooked, you can't cook it again. However, the opinion of the Rambam is that just because something was cooked minimally, if you cook it further, even though that's cooked, you're already chive in Hokal Shabbos. If you cook it a half, you cook it a third, you're already chive in Hokal Shabbos. If you cook it further, you will be chive in Hokal Shabbos. Meaning, even though something has already been cooked, if you cook it further, that's called cooking again. The only thing is, if it's already fully cooked, so then you haven't accomplished anything. So it might be called cooking in halakha, just in Hilchah Shabbos, you have to accomplish something. In Hilchah's Basel B'chalav, there's no, because all of the malachas of Shabbos have to be creative activities, patterned after the Mishkan. In Basel B'chalav, you don't need a creative activity. Maybe it's just focused on engaging in the activity of cooking Basel B'chalav together. So if we would accept the Rambam, according to the Rambam, just because something has been cooked doesn't mean, you, you know, doesn't necessarily preclude it from being cooked again. Just in Hilchah Shabbos, once it's already fully cooked, you don't accomplish anything. Bas if you would cook it again, um, um, even if you didn't accomplish something, Bas doesn't need to be a creative activity. Maybe you would violate the cooking Bas again. One other uh, situation where perhaps uh, you see this is with regards to what is the shear of cooking Bas uh, in the first place? What is the shear of cooking Bas in the first place? So the Gemara says, Mesech the school over here, Oisud Gimel, it has to be, Bishol Shacherim Oichlam Oisoy Machmas Bishulo. Other people would eat it because of its Bishol. So Rashi says that, has, that means it has to be cooked cold sarko. It has to be fully cooked. If you cook it anything less than cold sarko, you haven't violated Bishol Basabachalov. It has to be entirely edible or edible to everyone. The Ritva disagrees, and he says this doesn't jive with what we know from Hilcha Shabbos, as we already mentioned. In Hilcha Shabbos, Yechai for Bisho, once it's cooked, Michael Ben Derusoy. Ben Derusoy was a, we mentioned once, Ben Derusoy was a, uh, a Ganef who was always eating on the run. So he would eat food even partially cooked. To Machlech Yisrael, would he eat it half cooked or only a third cooked? Even, even a third cooked. 
But either way, if once he would eat it, uh, you know, he would eat it partially cooked. So therefore, in Hilchah Shabbos, once it's partially cooked, even Ben you know, that Ben Derusai would eat it, you're already for Bishol in Hilchah Shabbos. Even if it's not fully cooked, meaning we would never serve it like that. Your wife would never serve it like that at a Shabbos meal. But, uh, but uh, you know, some people would eat it. Yeshiva guys would eat it that way, right? So then that's, uh, that's, uh, that's edible, fine. But most people wouldn't eat it like that. So you're chayv already in Hilchah Shabbos. So the Ritva says this should be the same standard here. Once it's cooked, Kamaychol Ben that's the Shir by Bishol Akam also. Once it's cooked, Kamaychol Ben Derusoy. So then, uh, you know, that's the Shir in Kol Terakuga for Bishol. It's edible to a minority, you know, part of the population. Minimal definition of Bishol. That's what it should be with regards to Bishol. Basta B'chalish B'chayv too. Rashi says over here for some reason, you know, it's only if it's Mavushal Kol Tzarko. Why? It's an outlier. Why should Bishol Basta B'chalish be different than Bishol on Shabbos or, you know, Bishol Akam? So Briskarov explains in his Kedushim HaMesech this Menachis, I'm sure others have this as well, that it's because Rashi understood that the two are not the same. In Hilchah Shabbos, it's an Easter Bishol. Right? You're not allowed to cook on Shabbos, even though I don't plan to eat it at all. Cooking on Shabbos has nothing to do with eating it. It has to do with the fact that I'm engaged in a creative activity on Shabbos, like tying knots or like, uh, you know, breaking, uh, you know, like planting or like cutting the branch, pruning a tree. So you're not allowed to cook. It's creative activity inherently. Rashi understood that's not what Bishop Basel is about. It's about the fact that it might lead me to eat it. So if most people don't eat it that way, it's not going to lead me to eat it. Yeah, Ben Soy would eat it that way. So in terms of discussing what's a creative activity, it might be a creative activity once it's already Ben Soy, uh, Michael Ben Soy. But in terms of uh, precaution for Bishop Basel B'chalav, so then, uh, so then we can't extend that if, it's, if it isn't cooked cold charcoal. It's only if it's cooked cold charcoal that I might come to eat it, then I've engaged in an Easter, I've engaged in an Easter Bishop. Yeah. What about Kavash Kamushal? Is that applying? Uh, to Basu yeah. it does, yeah. Same. Oh, no. No, no. Kavash like Kamushal. By, by your day, I think. Like, uh, that the flavor gets yeah, interchanged. Yeah. No, I don't think so. It's only Derek Bishal, Asatara. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it sees, perhaps you see from this Rashi again that perhaps it's only a precaution. If it's only a precaution, one can start making the arguments. Well, if I don't plan on eating it, let's say I'm in a culinary school or something like that, then it should be permitted. But since there's so many, each one of these issues we've discussed, what is the Shia Bishop of Basu Bechalav? Many said it's Kamaikal Ben Dusoy, like Kachos Shabbos. And many said that there is Bishlach Bishop by Basu Bechalav, even though we don't find the Bechalach Shabbos, there is Bishlach Bishop by Basu Bechalav because it's an independent act of cooking, not so much that serves as a precaution to coming to eat it. So if that's the case, one can make the, the argument, even if you don't plan on eating it, like a culinary school or something like that, you really shouldn't be engaged in cooking Basu Bechalav. It seems to perhaps that it is independently a prohibited activity. All right, yeah. So not push your milk or something like that. No.